You're listening to TemperCap Growth Stories, a Maledra Digital production. To find out more about TemperCap, visit tempercap.com. Hi, my name is Courtney Glimpf and I lead on communications at TempoCap. As many of you will know, TempoCap is a leading European growth stage tech fund with offices in Paris, London, and Berlin. The shorter version is, we invest in growth. I'm here today with Olaf Austin, TempoCap's managing partner for the introductory episode of our podcast series, TempoCap Growth Stories. So, Olaf, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and the TempoCap Growth Stories series? Thanks, Courtney. Yes. Um, I'm Olaf Austin, managing partner of TempoCap. We created TempoCap six years ago with one main objective, investing in some fast-growing tech businesses in Europe. So I'm very excited about the TempoCap growth stories, uh, where you're going to see some of our great entrepreneurs who have been growing these businesses over the last three to five years. Some of them have expanded to the US. And you'll also see their experiences um, and learn from their lessons, mistakes and successes. And hopefully this will be um, a great kind of podcast and um, LinkedIn story for you to see how you can accelerate your growth um, and in today's environment also um, see how you can do this profitably. Talking about growth and looking back at your own career, Olaf, what are the growth stories um, you've been involved with and TempleCap has been involved with that really stand out in your mind? Yes. Yeah, so, um, Obviously, we have invested in technology and in growth for the last 20 years. Um, we've gone through a few cycles, um, boom and bust. So we've seen, for example, the cycle around 2000, um, where we had all these e-commerce companies booming and then struggling enormously. Then we had um, the credit crunch in 2000, 2007, sorry, in 2008. And recently, we've had a, um, a very strong acceleration of growth and digitization in Europe, which has been extraordinarily exciting. And um, so what we've had to do is to invest in companies that can grow through these cycles, can be resilient, um, even when the economy is a bit more challenging, and find some great entrepreneurs who can um, really maneuver their company through kind of good times, but also difficult times. And um, one of um, the company we're very proud of very proud of, sorry, at the moment, is um, on Fido, for example. Um, this is a, a company we invested in uh, five years ago, roughly. Um, they had less than 10 million revenues at the time. Today, it's probably 15 to 20 times that size. Um, they've expanded very, very fast. They're expanding their products. They've moved to the US. And I think, um, hopefully, you'll hear from the CEO, Mark Tuchen, in this series, and, and you'll see, basically, how you can take a business from startup to kind of growth stage to mature stage, but still accelerating. And, and we have a few of these companies in our portfolio. We had Depop also that exploded, basically, um, during um, the last five years. Uh, first, it's kind of lots of teenagers who thought it was incredibly exciting to be able to exchange their clothes on the mobile app. Um, at the same time, it was very good for the environment um, and they could make some pocket money, um, which they couldn't do before. It was all on the mobile app. 
and at the same time they could pick up the latest trends um, in fashion and of course this was noticed by some of the great VCs who invested alongside us in this company to accelerate the growth of the company in the US and then at one point um, we had a US company Etsy who decided this was a great addition to um, their product range and bought the company last year for 1.6 billion so for us it was extraordinary to see this little company um, going from kind of 50, 80 employees to being a billion dollar business mm -hmm. in Europe. So these are the kind of two recent examples I would give of growth stories that have been remarkable, but we have quite a few in our portfolio. Today we have 18 companies, and I think last year on average our companies grew by 40%, um, which is a phenomenal growth um, in this um, challenging environment, which demonstrates also that with good management team and um, the environment of acceleration of digitization during COVID time, um, you have some spectacular businesses in Europe in technology. Now, you talked quite a bit about sort of the growth trajectory of, of different organizations and, and or excuse me, different startups and how we've invested in that. When defining or looking for these businesses, what are the things that, you know, Temple Cap and you specifically are looking for um, in terms of the next growth story or the next really um, exciting business that, that we would invest in? Yes, yeah, so um, I think there are different factors, of course, um, when we look at these companies. Um, one of the main ones is, do they have the potential to grow and be large businesses? Hence, we invest in growth. Um, so where does it start from? Um, first, what is the base? Um, if you're going to climb you know, the Everest, um, you want to be in a solid base camp. So are their technology strong? And do, they, do we believe that they can expand globally? Um, I think this is always a starting point. Do we believe this is also a large addressable market? And then, um, very importantly, um, management teams. Um, I think we basically invest in managers. Um, you have this great technology, this great market, but a management team will have to navigate through ups and downs. And they will have to hire some great people to surround them, to go faster. And, and therefore, you know, the management team is absolutely key. And for us, a key way to measure success in these businesses is not only how fast they're growing, but how um, they can expand their management team, how they work with um, their managers, and how happy the employees are in these companies. And uh, interestingly, it has always been um, a key factor of success in these companies. So I would say the combination of great tech, large addressable market, and great management team are what we're looking at. And then, of course, um, you know, we're financial investors, so we'll look at the financials. Um, we only invest in companies that are reasonably mature, since we only invest in companies that have more than 10 million of revenue ORR. And we want to see business models that are scalable. Then our strategy at TempoCap has um, a lot of people know we invest mainly in cybersecurity, in fintech, and SaaS businesses. So um, obviously companies have to be um, in these kind of sectors for us to get really excited. Olive, you were just talking about the sort of success factors or the characteristics of successful um, startups that we look at, and that goes alongside our thesis. But if you're looking at the sort of mistakes that some of the organizations have made over the past, not necessarily recent, but over the last, let's say, six years with Tempo Capital, the last 20 years of your career, what are the sort of common mistakes that you've seen um, startups and scale-ups make and, and 
you know, how, especially in, in these times, what should they be avoiding? Yes, um, so I would say the biggest mistakes um, I've seen is um, around recruitment. Um, managers who succeed are managers who can um, recruit people around them that are uh, very strong, can support them and help them to grow. And the key success um, for a company after it's established its technology, um, it has some revenues, is um, that they hire the right people at the right places. And, uh, and there you should make no compromise. Um, this, um, this is absolutely key um, to expand the business and, um, and what we've seen, which is great in Europe, is um, uh, much more managers today that understand technology, that have worked with large US techs and now are coming to the startup ecosystem in Europe and therefore the pool of people you can recruit from has expanded. But over the last three years it's been very, very difficult to attract talents. And, and so we've seen some companies making some compromise, uh, wanted to go a little bit too fast uh, and recruiting people that were not exactly what they needed. And I would say um, my advice to an entrepreneur when we're on the board of the company is always recruit people that impress you, that are better than you if you can find some. And therefore you build a management team that is incredibly strong and help you to expand, for example, in the US, to expand in new geographies that help you um, have more products, helps you with the product marketing, um, have great salespeople. It's not always easy to have great salespeople. Um, and um, in general, also, um, at the right time, uh, have a very strong finance function. For example, at the moment, we all see how challenging it is to fundraise, and therefore managing well your finances is very, very important. Uh, and therefore you need a CFO that not only gives you information about your finance, but gives you some information about how to strategize around you know, the financing rounds, around um, expansion, cash flow, and so on. So I would say this is really kind of the most um, important point in terms of mistakes not to make. Then um, what we've seen also in the past um, is um, some companies trying to fly before they can walk. So um, they are loss making in their core market and they are expanding straight away in five to ten other markets. Um, I think the rule has to be that you demonstrate your business model in your core market. Um, if you're not profitable, you're at least showing a clear path to profitability in your core market. And then you're choosing very, very carefully where you're going to expand. We have a company, a great company in Germany called Xempos that recently raised $50 million um, and um, is today in Germany and they're looking very carefully where they're going to expand. And it's very interesting to see the time they're taking to see you know, when they're going to enter Austria, when they're going to enter Switzerland and hopefully um, a bit later France. But they're not running, they're not telling us, okay, we're going to enter you know, five or six European com companies, sorry, or we're going to the US. So I think this is um, also very, very important to expand, but um, expand after you've got a strong base. And, and finally, I think for companies that are a little bit bigger, um, they need to be careful that their products are not becoming obsolete. So they've been winning market shares, they've been growing. Um, these are companies that have 20, 25, 30 million of revenues, and they have won 
absolutely key product that is very successful. And they probably need at that point to have a second product. And so they really need to monitor the market, make sure that they have the capacity to grow to 100 million, 200 million, 500 million even business. And for that, you need a lot of product marketing, you need a lot of intelligence. And therefore, it's very, very important not to forget that you need to prepare the future. And some entrepreneurs, especially founders, have had it so tough to get their business off the ground to 10, 20 million that you know, they find it quite challenging to think and strategize to get to a business to 100 million. So um, our job as investors um, with these companies is try to help them to have a three-year plan, to look forward um, for the next three years, what kind of product do they need, what kind of market they need to enter and when, and how do they balance their finances between kind of um, having enough profitability from the current product, from the current market, but being also aggressive enough in new market to generate some growth. Fascinating. I mean, you've touched on a few interesting points there around sort of uh, growth trajectory and what, what startups need to focus on in order to sort of really reach that milestone of becoming a scale-up. But I guess along the way, you would have given and also probably received some lessons and some advice you know, to, again, to give clarity to the organizations around their, their success and their growth success. What's, if you could think about it over the last, again, six years, what's the one piece of advice that you've either given or received that you feel was the most sort of valuable um, in terms of, again, success on how to grow a business? What's the one, I guess, piece of advice around that? Clearly recruiting the right people. Okay. It's always um, kind of the most important um, piece. We are not investing at the stage where there is no technology or no market. I mean, if you're a seed investor and there's 10 people in the company, it's very different. We invest in companies that have a technology or market, normally they're around 100 people. And we're looking to see how this business can grow from 100 people to 500 people, from 15 million to 50 million or 100 million. And really, you can't do this without great people. Um, I think having said that, all companies are different. So you have some um, managers that want to go extremely fast. And, uh, and you need to support them, but you also need to show them the pitfalls of um, potentially being too aggressive. And then you have some other um, founders, um, especially, that have created their businesses um, with not a lot of cash, are very prudent, and at the right time, you need to be able to tell them, I think you know, your, your market is ripe for expansion. It's time to take a little bit more risk. It's time perhaps to enter the US, which is very, very challenging. It's time to enter new geographies. It's time to look at new products. And, and therefore, the advice cannot be standardized um, to all companies. You have to see what kind of product, what kind of potential you have, what kind of team you have. And I think a good investor and good board member will adjust basically the advice it gives um, depending on where the company is and how the management team um, wants to expand the business. I think that, that sort of aligns well with my next question because you talked about a good, what good investors might do and the sort of guidance that they provide and support that they provide to their, to their uh, portfolio companies. I guess on that point, beyond providing financial support to startups, what is it that you know we we do at Tempo Cap and our team does at Tempo Cap as members of the board as um, you know supporting their supporting these startups? What do we do beyond that sort of financial investment to provide value add um, to our portfolio companies? And and what's the you know what's the one or two things that you think is actually key? 
Yes, so Tempo Cap is present in the UK, in France and Germany. And what we try to do with our companies is help them enter markets where they are not very strong yet. So if we take the example of a UK company wanting to enter the French market, what we're going to try to do is put them in touch with the right people in France who um, might guide them on how best to enter this market. If they're already in France but want to be in contact with um, some senior executive in large companies, we will open our Rolodex and try to open um, um, or try to organize sorry, some meetings with these um, executives. The same in Germany, the same in the UK. Uh, and we're quite proud that a lot of companies have really found it very, very helpful um, to have this initial contact with these large companies or even other startups. And um, I think this is a very, very important factor um, to be uh, a value-added investor. You're just not giving financial advice, but you look at the commercial side of the business and you see how you can help them. And, and some of these companies have won um, a very large contract through TempoCap, and we're very proud of that. Some of these companies have signed partnerships um, with large international players through our contacts. Uh, and this is very rewarding um, when you're on the board of a company and the CEO says, we thank uh, Matt, we thank Olaf, we thank Damien, we thank, we thank Philip for all this work. Um, then um, it's extremely pleasing. So that's one part of, um, of our value added um, on the board. The other part is obviously very financial. Um, these entrepreneurs um, often haven't sold many companies. Um, at Temper Cap, over the last three years, we've sold 10 companies. So we have a fair amount of experience in selling companies. Um, and when there is a process, um, very often we will tell them we believe that we should do it this way. We should use an advisor or use no advisors. Um, these are the terms we see in the market. And, and so we can bounce off also from the experience we see in Germany, um, we see from our companies all around Europe with other geographies, because they will go through one transaction at a time, when sometimes at TempoCab we're in the middle of three or four transactions. Uh, and this is quite helpful for them um, in a moment that is very tense. Um, if you imagine an entrepreneur is going to create most of its wealth during an exit period and things can go very wrong very quickly. So having some people they can trust on the board, giving them advice on how to move forward is very helpful. In the same way, um, we help them with the financing round, um, which is also not always easy to navigate. Over the last two years, it's been super easy. Right now, it's very, very difficult. Um, and, and then what we try to do is um, try to give them um, enough elevation to look over a period of three years. So if you're in a fast-growing company, um, you're working at 250% on your business. And it's quite difficult sometimes to stop and to think, okay, where do I want my business to be in three years' time? What do I need to do to achieve that? And so what we try to do is um, uh, to have our entrepreneurs build a three-year plan, um, explain to the board members how they're going to achieve this plan. And on the board, we have financial investors, but we have also non-executive directors coming from large companies that have um, managed very large businesses, have gone through a lot of challenges. And by elevating themselves, they can have this kind of um, view of you know, what are the challenges to get from, let's say, 25 million in revenue to 50 million in revenue or 75 million in revenue, expanding from three countries to 10 countries, expanding from two products to four products. 
And, and of course, they need to run the day-to-day -day business. But having this kind of vision and reviewing it, um, we try to do these sessions every six months or every 12 months, depending on the companies, and reviewing how they develop them really helps them to have a vision, in my view, with their businesses and therefore have a better view of where they want to get. Just thinking about what you've just discussed around sort of the vision for growth companies and then also the current environment for fundraising. Um, you recently spoke with Sifted, and this reminds me of the conversation and the, and the comment you shared with the, with the publication around sort of what are or what should startups be doing at the moment when they are pitching for fundraising, especially growth companies? What should they be focusing on uh, and what areas should they be highlighting um, to really catch the eye of investors who are probably a bit more um, responsible perhaps than they were for over the last two years? What, you know, what would you say to growth organizations who are, who are fundraising right now? What, you know, what advice would you give them? What areas should they be focusing on? Well, um, it's a changing environment. Uh, so 24 months, 12 months ago, you wanted to fundraise. You basically had to explain to investors how fast you could grow. Um, and, um, and really, profitability was not very important. So most investors, including the very large American investors, wanted to see, can you grow your business at 50% per annum, 75% per annum, 100% per annum? Uh, and this is how you raise very large amount of money. And I would say what we have seen from this kind of wave over the last two or three years is momentum businesses. People raising 100 million, 200 million, 300 million and growing as fast as they can. Today the environment has changed because um, investors want to see uh, profitable growth, which is very different. So you need to show that your KPIs um, can take you to profitability. Investors don't necessarily want to see profitable businesses, but what they want to see is how is your business going to become profitable um, with the money they give you, and, and also how you are spending your money and making sure there is no kind of um, cash that is wasted in your organization. So I think this is a very, very big shift um, because you have a lot of young entrepreneurs who um, have been CEOs for the last three years, five years. And, and basically, they've been told, spend as much as you want, as long as you're growing. And today, um, the investors are saying, well, we need to be a bit more careful. There's a recession. And now we want you, of course, to spend money to grow, but it has to be profitable. So, um, so I would say the board of the companies um, wanting to come to fundraise um, need to make sure that the management teams are aligned with this need um, from investors today. I think the other point is, um, Technology is still growing very fast, um, and uh, investors still want to invest in very good businesses that have a large addressable market. So people shouldn't be shy of saying, I've got a great tech, this tech is going to transform an industry. So I'm going to digitize an industry that today is using Excel spreadsheets. Uh, and I think entrepreneurs um, need to show the investors, and the investors are smart enough to say, well, actually, if this is delivered properly over a period of three to five years, an industry is going to be changed completely. And therefore, I think execution is very, very important in this environment. So when you go and see some investors, you need to show them how you're going to execute your plan. And again, we're always coming back to uh, the same theme, management teams. 
um, you need to come with a management team that is very, very credible, um, that can execute the plan you're putting in front of the investors. Uh, because the investors in this environment are going, are going to be sorry, much more critical of what they're seeing in terms of growth over the next two or three years. So I think what we're seeing at the moment is valuation going down, investors um, being kind of more critical and more challenging giving their money away. But what everybody's agreeing is technology is still expanding. So good businesses are getting money, um, industries are being digitized, and we're not going back. There's no way we're going back to five years ago, pre-COVID, when um, some people's working in an office and didn't have any capacity to work from home, for example. And, and I think uh, Bill Gates says that, you know, COVID accelerated technology um, in an incredible pace, probably kind of expanded digitization by 10 years. And we are seeing this in our companies. Um, so when you fundraise today, the advice is make sure your finances make sense. Make sure you have a strong team and make sure you explain very, very clearly how you're going to execute your next three-year plan. And it's a sensible plan. It's not a fantasy plan. Um, one question I have is, you talk, we're talking about fundraising and sort of the opportunities for investors, but where do you see the sort of moon shoots and growth opportunities? What industries are, are you know, are we really excited about and we see, you know, these are where the growth companies are going to come from. These are where the opportunities are going to come from, whether that's UK, France, Germany, or any other geography. What, you know, what really excites you from a growth perspective? So at TempoCab, we invest mainly in software businesses. So I will answer more with a kind of a software angle. Um, we see a lot of growth today in cybersecurity uh, for multiple reasons. Um, the first reason everybody's moved to the cloud, or if they are not on the cloud, they are moving to the cloud as we speak. And the security you have, um, or you had five years ago, um, an antivirus software that was sitting on your computer, for example, is not working in a cloud environment. So basically all the cybersecurity um, technology has transformed itself um, over the last um, five to 10 years to be cloud security. Uh, and this is opening lots of new opportunities for that sector. Um, and we therefore find it very, very exciting. Unfortunately, also the macroeconomic environment is such that there are more and more threats um, uh, to employees, large corporations, and, and these companies need to protect themselves against um, potential attacks. So um, there's clearly um, big potential growth in this market. It's quite an esoteric market. Um, and we've invested historically a third of our capital in that market. We understand it quite well and we intend to continue spending quite a lot of or investing a lot of capital um, in that space. Um, other markets that um, we um, find very interesting, digital health um, is a very, very interesting market. It's very clear that a lot of people, um, especially after COVID, are um, using many more applications around digital health. Um, I was hearing that some people saying that in the next 10 to 20, 20 years, digital health is going to be a bigger industry than the pharmace pharmaceutical industry, sorry, which is difficult to believe, but this really shows then the current growth that we're having in this market. 
Um, and then in general, um, being be in fintech, being in some vertical um, industries, um, what we like to invest in is not necessarily very sexy um, uh, markets, but what we like is software that um, improve the efficiencies of how industries are, are working. Uh, and, and so we've looked at the pension industry, as I mentioned with examples. Um, we're looking at a lot of other businesses. We've looked at um, the HR business um, in the past with a few investments. And we think these industries um, are, are going to continue to expand um, very, very fast. And then a lot of people obviously talk about AI, but all these softwares are powered by AI. Um, you know, a company like Onfido is full of AI. Um, and therefore, I don't think you can say the AI industry is an exciting industry. It's, you know, how do you use AI in certain kind of um, sectors to optimize um, your, uh, your software? Um, we spend also a lot of time um, in fintech. Uh, and, and the main reason is that there is, again, um, uh, total dislocation of, uh, of the markets here. In, in the past, you had banks. Um, that control kind of the, the credit part of the market and also the service part of the market. Uh, and um, it's well known that they made much more money from the service part of the market, probably three times more. People say 15% ROI on average on um, service businesses and only 5% ROI on their lending businesses. Uh, and what we're seeing is with the advent of technology, a lot of these fintech businesses are attacking the service part of the market and very, very successfully. Um, for example, we had a company called Currency Cloud um, that helps um, a lot of digital players convert their um, currencies uh, on the fly. I mean, prime example was Revolut with their cards where you could change or exchange kind of currencies between pound, euros, dollars on the fly. And all this was powered by Currency Cloud that was bought last year for close to a billion by Visa for example. And these are industries that are very, very interesting because they are very profitable at its core, haven't been um, well handled in the past by banks, and so are ripe for disruptions. Uh, and, and these are the businesses um, we think are very, very exciting today. Looking back, or, or going back, excuse me, to the, the growth series, um, the, the video series and the podcast, I know that you'll be watching it as closely as anyone, but you know, what are you going to be looking out for uh, in this series in terms of the conversations we'll be having with the portfolio companies, but also what do you think are the burning questions that either our viewers will have or will be asking um, to learn more about, again, growth and sort of developing mature businesses? So what I think is very interesting is to understand first the background of these entrepreneurs. Where are they coming from? Um, what have they done before to get to where they are today um, because from their background you can really understand you know what they learned um, and what kind of mistakes they've seen in the past um, so I think it's quite interesting to understand their backgrounds to all these um, CEOs and then what is very very interesting is them explaining with their own words what works and what doesn't work um, because we can talk about this about um, lots of companies, but let's pick up some examples, some great entrepreneurs that are clearly growing their businesses very fast. Most of them are growing their businesses at 40-50% per annum, which is remarkable. Uh, and they, they will tell you in this series, I've done this and this works. I've done that and that doesn't work. 
So what are the pitfalls? You other entrepreneurs, um, you know, perhaps you should watch out for that. Um, but you know, this has worked very well for us, for example. And I think this is incredibly exciting because we all know that it's much more difficult to grow a business than to cut costs to make it profitable. And so the experiences from great entrepreneurs, how they're growing businesses, it's so invaluable. And then perhaps you can apply it to your business, perhaps you can't, but the lesson you will learn from the series, from people who've done it, um, men and women who have been very successful in doing it, um, I think is really invaluable. And it's better to hear directly from the horse's mouth than from investors. That's a very good point. And actually, it is going to be very exciting to hear about you know, these hard-learned lessons and hard-earned lessons um, that our portfolio companies have experienced as they grow in their specific verticals and their specific markets, which can be applied, as you say, to any sort of, um, I would say, application and doesn't need to be specific to that specific sector. So very exciting. Thank you for joining us today. For those of you who are watching and or listening, stay tuned for the Temple Cap Growth Series. You've been listening to TemperCap Growth Stories, a Maledra digital production. Find out more about TemperCap at tempercap.com and subscribe to the TemperCap Growth Stories podcast for more fascinating interviews with tech leaders.